Hello friends and welcome to episode number 190 from Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin, way out in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, how was your weekend? Was, was it good? Great. Was there any curling involved? What with the broom and the sweep? And no. The sweeping? The, the only sweeping was done at Angel Stadium this weekend, actually. Okay. It was, it was, uh, it's a good place to have brooms. I went... I went right for it. No subtlety, <laughs> ill-formed curling joke and all. Uh, what a hell of a weekend for the Jays. Uh, some tight games, but uh, a lot of runs were scored. A lot of runs were given up, but yeah, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, it's, it's nice, though. We beat one of the best teams in the American League in their home four games in a row. Um gg easy dub no just kidding obviously they were really tight games and uh, you know what there's very few teams i admire quite as much as i admire the los angeles angels of anaheim uh fishman good fishman very good although he got blanked a, well, a couple times. One of those games yeah. yeah yeah he didn't look that great oh tawny on the other hand yeah that guy could star hit. of the show yeah uh great series i i didn't watch a 100 like i didn't see every pitch but no. i was in the know yeah my sources were feeding me the information as it came in so your push notifications yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> it was good though it was really good there's lots of positive stuff to talk about we'll get to it we'll talk about who's doing well who's struggling over the last seven days we're gonna preview a player that we talk about a lot on the show uh, in small portions, but today we're actually going to do a little deep dive. Very excited for that. We're also going to talk about something interesting that I found on the internet. Talks all about strength of schedule. And of course, as usual, we will preview the next series against the Chicago White Sox. Um, should we talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi or just like nope. let people discover it? Okay. No, let's not. Uh, I don't want to ruin anybody's experience. I don't or, care. Or influence it in any way. I'll say this. There were a couple of scenes that elicited an emotional response from me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, uh, I've i been enjoying it so far, but I'll, I'm going to leave it at that. Yep, let's leave it at that. Um, if you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Go ahead and DM or tweet us your questions or your funny memes. We'll talk about it on the show. Find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. That was website kind of creepy. is I like it. Yeah, I don't know why I went for that, but it <laughs> felt good. good. Uh, website is bfmdpodcast.com. Thanks to everybody for taking the time to listen to us. Shout out to all of our listeners uh, in the wonderful province of Manitoba. Uh, I just felt like it. Just felt like shouting out Manitoba. They're fun. They're cool. They got Winnipeg. They got the Jets. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, their weather sucks. Go ahead and leave us a review, unless you're from Winnipeg. Uh, five stars, uh, or less, whatever, or fewer, whatever you care. I don't give a shit. Leave us a review. Helps people find us. We're not perfect. We understand. So, you know, give us an honest rating. Let's get right into it. Justin... Do you want to take the lead on this one? Because sure. this, is, this is this is a great topic. I'm very excited. Yeah. So 
yesterday down for AAA Buffalo, Jordan Groshans hit his first home run of the season. Hey. Now, it took him just about 100 plate appearances to do it, Patrick Marsh. Uh, 89 to be exact and normally you'd be like wow it took a top prospect 89 play appearances to hit a home run he must be having a shitty year but no jordan groshans is not having a shitty year and he's never been a big a big power bat his minor league high for home runs in the season was in 2021 when he had seven uh over 316 plate appearances the thing that jordan groshans is doing really well this year patrick marsh he is walking more than he is striking out and he's batting 352. And when I say he's walking more than he's striking out, he has nearly halved his career strikeout rate in half. It's at 11.2% right now. And the walk rate's at 16.9%. So while the power numbers are down a little bit, the extra base hits, he's only got three doubles so far. So only four extra bits to hit. Four extra hits out of his first 25 hits this year have been for extra bases. But he has walked 15 times and only struck out 10. So that's the good news. Uh, he's also have a, has a WRC plus of 152, which is uh, on pace to be just a, just about as good as his uh, his 2019 season that was only 96 at bats. So he should have his he should he's on pace for his best career season in the minor leagues, and for a guy at AAA, that's a pretty good place to do it. Does he pop back up higher in the top 100 next time around? He, he definitely could. If, if he keeps this up, he could. I think the only thing that's going to be a knock against him is going to be the, the power numbers. Um, you, do, you definitely worry about a guy who relies on a lot of singles to have sustained success. You do want to see like gap-to-gap power um, from, a, from a top prospect, and I think that's probably the, the knock on him right now is just the lack of of power numbers like his ISO, which is the isolated power metric, which measures the uh, difference between your, your, your slugging minus your batting average. It's only zero point or zero eight five right now. You like to see something around like 150 to 200, at least at that minimum there. So that's the, that's my only knock on him is that he doesn't hit for a ton of power at this point. But what he's hitting though, it's really interesting. What he's hitting though is finding holes. Yeah, which is real. It's it's impressive. It's showing a lot. Like he's clearly du- tapped into something as far as um, plate discipline, but also uh, contact ability. Right, and you can build a really great player around that. Uh, I'm not saying he is the next Tony Gwynn. What I'm saying is, looking at what we see here in the numbers, if someone threw this down on the table and said, "Here's the file on Jordan Groshans." Um, how do you, how would you assess him as a prospect? He's an excellent contact hitter and he has excellent plate discipline. Um, I doubt the power will ever come to a level where his ISO will be higher than 120, 130. Yeah. But if a guy, if we call him up and he hits 300, what are we, we can't really complain about it. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect him to hit 300. I, uh, if he can get on base, that's a really valuable asset. We've got some players on our roster right now who have had some really tough times in these first 47 games uh, with really low batting averages and really low mm-hmm. on-base percentages. And 
Groshans might be the shot in the arm that the lineup needs. It might help lengthen the lineup. I don't. Yeah, for me, it's, I don't know if the if we could give him significant enough playing time to make it worth it at this point. Maybe not today. No. But... Yeah, like for me, like I I see Groshans as a guy who should come up only in the event of an injury that that knocks out, say, a Matt Chapman or a Bobochet for multiple weeks. Would you say then that if, knock on wood, that doesn't happen, okay, we don't want that to happen. If yeah. it happens, is Jordan Groshans the first name on your list to get called up? Maybe on my list, but I don't know if the team feels the same way. I I do I do think that they still want him to get more reps in. He hasn't played a ton of third base, for example. He's been mostly a shortstop in his minor league career and his entire baseball career. And I and I and I I just I question whether or not that they would be willing to pull him up, especially since he is not on the forty man roster. They do have Otto Lopez and Leo Jimenez and Vinny Capra currently on the 40 man as infielders so there'd have to be two moves made to get groshans onto the active roster first they'd have to jettison somebody off the 40 man and i would like that to be bradley zimmer obviously but he's an outfielder and groshans is not and then they'd have to add him to the active roster as well too so there are there are still some hurdles for groshans to to climb and and some hoops for the team to jump through to get him on the roster and i i truly believe that he could be a late season call up. Um, or I do believe that he has potential to compete for an opening day role next season. Whether that's opening day role day. next season, where does he play? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Maybe it depends what happens with the rest of this, this season for the Blue Jays uh, to see what the roster shapes up to be like. But I, I think that this team, yeah. I think that they want, they would like him to be an everyday player. I believe that he would like to be an everyday player. And It'd have to be third. Yeah, third most likely uh, is the, is the place that he could slot in. But I mean, you, you do have Matt Chapman for next year. Obviously, his 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 numbers haven't well, been great so far, but um, okay, coming around a little bit. <laughs> Here's some hypotheticals. I'm just gonna. This is gonna be like a, a bit of a scatterbrained series of of what if. <laughs> All right, blast through. <laughs> Let's say let's say you are transformed into the executive who gets to choose what players come up and what players get sent down. Um, let's say you have that uh, executive power. Right. Um, you obviously you've already mentioned you want to. It would be you would be DFAing Bradley Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, you would call up. Jordan Groshans. I yeah. See, I don't know if I would do that. That's that's that. That's what I was just saying. That. that oh, I see. Okay. That would okay. Be the Let's move say that would have to happen. Okay. Here's what. Hey. Here's the <laughs> hypothetical scenario. And again, we don't want this to happen. Yeah. Matt Chapman um, tweaks his knee in a freak losing accident. <laughs> he is out for uh, six to eight weeks. Yeah. We need a third baseman immediately, or we need someone, or or we need someone to take the place of someone who's who could play third. So it's either going to be a second baseman or a third baseman. Pick one, because right. uh, Espinal uh, has that versatility; he could do both. Um, 
Is Jordan Groshans your call-up guy? No. Comes, okay. No. You're playing into my. I'm sorry. I can't play into this. I I, I can't. I, it's not. It's not a smart baseball move. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Okay. Let's say that it gets to a point where everybody in the organization who can play third base, second base, or shortstop who's ahead of him on the depth chart is injured, and you must call up Jordan Groshans. <laughs> Then you, it sounds what's, like you're making it that what's I have the counter no choice. Move? Uh, well, the president's been kidnapped. If ever. <laughs> you must choose Jordan Groshans to get caught up. Man, where's Liam Neeson? I feel like we need him to kill somebody. Or Gerard yeah. Butler. Olympus is yeah, this is getting right a little, it's getting a little ridiculous. The whole point was I just wanted to know what your complimentary moves would be. That would count. That would come in hand with Jordan Groshans. Okay, so let me let me let me play this out for you. So yeah, Matt okay. Matt Chapman gets hurt. He's out six to eight weeks with that losing accident, which yep. is a is a injury that I would be mad if he ever got. I'd be um, so mad. I'd Santiago Espinal is going to slot over to third base, obviously. Yep. Kevin Biggio can play second base. Those would be your starters. He can. Yes. But would you want him to? Yes, he is a good second baseman. He's a good fielder, yeah. You have your you have your outfield at this point of George Springer in center, Teoscar in right, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left, with your backup being Raimel Tapia, and your hopefully distant fifth string being Bradley Zimmer, although he's been playing way too damn much. Um, at that point, you don't really have a backup infielder, because right now it's really, it's really Kevin Biggio who's kind of your backup everything. Um so you're going to either bring up somebody who you have on the 40-man roster, which at this point, like I said, would be Otto Lopez, who we saw briefly last year, Vinny Capra, who we've seen briefly this year, or Leo Jimenez, who is in Vancouver and is not close to being promoted yet. So yeah. it's not really a question of them being objectively better players than Jordan Groshans. It's that when the time comes to bring Jordan Groshans up, it has to be... He's coming up and he's staying up. It's it's not going to be a uh, he's not going to be rowdy till he's riding the Buffalo special. Yeah, I, I don't see him being like that because of his his skill set being a multi position player. Like he can play short and third and presumably second base. Yeah. Versus rowdy, who is a first baseman or a DH, right? Yes. Um. Yeah, the he, comparison was just that. Yeah, yeah. Rowdy the, at the time was the call was, up, yeah, the shuttle yeah. bus to Buffalo, and you can't do that anymore because you can only option a player five times in a season before they have to clear waivers now. <laughs> so I, 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 if I'm going to jettison anybody off that forty man roster, it's going to be Vinny Capra. No offense to him, but uh, no, I understand. Leo Jimenez and Otto Lopez are both better players in the long term. Hopefully, I don't they think Otto, to have better. I don't value. think Otto Lopez is going to be a Blue Jay for much longer. I do think that he's kind of a guy who they would trade to get to get room on the forty man roster. Leo Jimenez, I obviously would like to keep because he's an on base machine. Um, the players that are the most expendable on the active roster, obviously Bradley Zimmer is number one, and then you're probably looking into the bullpen at either a Julian Merriweather or a Ryan Barucki because. They've both been absolutely terrible. Obviously, Andrew Vasquez is probably another one, but again, you're you're kind of hurting for lefties right now. Yeah, this team yeah they're in a pass. tough situation where they can't really justify jettisoning uh, Ryan Barucki, despite the fact that he has struggled tremendously. Yeah. And we will talk about that later on when we get yeah. to the recapping so, the last seven days. So there, to- there's a lot of things to to make it a long story short that would have to happen for Groshans to get a call up. Yep, that's because, what I'm look. That's what I'm angling at. Because I'm I'm not 
if I'm if I'm the Blue Jays and if I'm Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro, I don't want to put Jordan Groshans in a place of instability. Yes. When I do call him up, I do want him to play almost every, every day, day because yep. I want to see what I've got in him. Yep. As a long-term potential replacement for Matt Chapman after these two years are up, because I I don't know based on what we've seen from Matt Chapman offensively this year, obviously the defense has been fantastic. But going long-term, third base is a, is a position that you expect a, a certain amount of offensive production from mm-hmm. as being a cornerstone of your defense as well as your hopefully your batting order. Like we've had, you've seen great third basemen in the past, right? You've obviously got the Machados, you've got the Arenados, the, um, who, who are incredibly offensive talents as well as, as they are defensive. Um, the Blue Jays have had guys like Troy Gloss in our lifetime and Scott Rowland, who should be a Hall of Famer and probably will be, who are will be. very good at, at offense and obviously Rowland was elite defensively. Yes. Uh, Josh yeah. Donaldson was a pretty good third baseman. <laughs> so yep. it's like the third base, you expect a certain level of offensive production. And if Matt Chapman can't give that to you this year and next year, then you can either trade him next season midway through and recoup some yeah. value. You've that was... You let him walk, and that's when Groshans would be. That was my next, my my last question. Yeah. Well, there's two questions left. That was one of them, which is, let's say Chapman continues to flirt with the Mendoza line the rest of the year, <laughs> is still elite defensively, will win the Gold Glove, et cetera, et cetera. Et yeah, cetera. and like his and his offensive, like his advanced metrics on Statcast show that he is performing better than his numbers show. So you have that as. Uh, a yeah. feather in your cap for value as well too so the value is still there but if let's say he continues to flirt with the mendoza line mm-hmm. all through this year finishes hitting like 206 <laughs> and yeah. then next year it's not looking much better meanwhile groshans uh has better numbers than he has now in triple a um and he's been he's gotten an appropriate number of reps at third base mm-hmm. in buffalo mm-hmm. do you pull the trigger and say fuck it um trade chapman not that we want that but we're gonna trade him to recoup value bring up jordan groshans and then all of a sudden look at look at how young our infield is yeah like that's that's a snare that i could see playing out and i think that is the probably the most likely scenario in terms of groshans getting a spot as an everyday player on this team before the 2024 season is, is a Matt Chapman injury or trade. Something's going to have to happen to Chapman. And honestly, we hope it doesn't because everything numbers-wise points to the fact that he should get hot at some point. I I like Matt Chapman, and I'm rooting hard for him to succeed. Yeah. I want him on this team. I want him to win the gold glove. I want him to uh you know be a part of this team when it competes for championships yes but also at the same time if he can't get it together at the plate we have to kind of make tough decisions uh we can't afford to keep jordan groshans in the minor leagues indefinitely for a full two years i think he's gonna play way too well to justify it and hopefully he does that's how he flips the script and, and earns a spot on the team is by forcing their hand, right? That's what I'm hoping for, is that he will force their hand. It's too early to say that he's doing it now, um, but maybe in 100 games could be a different story. 
uh, in 160 games and, like yeah. this time next year could be a very different story too. The last question uh, about Jordan Groshans is, obviously you want to hold on to him, but yes. if you do trade, if he is on the block, where do you what do you see as his trade value based on his performance to date in our system? And uh, what would you need to see coming back in order to be like, yep, done deal? Right. So obviously, yeah, he's a, he's according to Fangraphs the fourth ranked prospect on the Blue Jays, which the prospects above him are all pretty good, <laughs> as we know. Yeah. So it's it's just like for me as a a third baseman shortstop wombo combo, that's a pretty valuable commodity. As a guy who's batting as well as he is average wise pretty hot commodity the yeah power the power like i said is the only negative there that i that i can that i can see um the groshans i don't know if you'd ever move him solo he would definitely be a part of a package yeah for something in return most likely if you're going to trade him unless you're trading him for like uh, like an elite reliever or something i don't know but even then you'd probably want to get something else in return yeah, I it's it's tough to quantify the value of of a prospect like Groshans as a solo trade piece. For me, anyway, I've never been great at doing like individual trades because baseball you don't really see too many one for one swaps. No. Yeah, yeah, I see what so you're saying. So for me, like if I'm trading Groshans and I'm not say I'm not trading him for a, for a big leader, I'm probably trading him for two or three of a team's top thirty prospects. Yeah. With one or two of them being top teners. Yeah, and if I'm trading him for a big leaguer, I'd say like a number two starting pitcher would probably be a package I would include Groshans in, and and or like a power hitting left-handed outfielder or something. You know, I see it. I see. It. It's worth noting. The last thing I'll say about Groshans, uh, well, two things i'll say number one i don't want to trade him under any circumstances yeah. because i do actually think that he has like we are just seeing him get going he's had some freak bullshit happen to him <laughs> the foot injury yeah uh, and then losing the 2020 minor league season to covid um don't count this guy out uh he is rule five eligible december 2022 there's no more rule five draft but all right yeah why does Fangraphs have his Rule Five? Yeah, I don't know. They haven't. They haven't updated. They should get rid of it. They They made me look like a buffoon there. No, (laughs) but really, um, I guess since they don't have to worry about that, he won't force his way onto the forty man. But I would predict that he will be on the forty man before the end of the year because I think some of the people who are on the forty man will get traded or DFA. I do think that is possible. Yes. Let us move on and recap the performance of all of our players for the last seven days instead of doing the thing that we do where we recap the series we swept there there's your recap let's talk about something more interesting let's talk about the splits of players sure who played the last seven days this comes from i am grum on the toronto blue jay subreddit uh this is a really good chart shout out to i am grum uh, for coming up with this chart, I don't know if he just like pulled this from somewhere. I don't know where he got it. Yeah, because it's does it doesn't match up with the uh, BlueJays.com because he think he has like 
I don't know how he's got this organized, but it's different. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. It looks good. So like, let's just let's just run through it. Let's. I think he has it yeah, sorted by order of OPS, and then for the yeah, uh, he pitchers, he does it by uh, lowest to highest ERA. So let's just let's pound through this, uh, my man. Uh, lead us off, Justin. Let's talk yeah. about each each of our our players. What I think like. they're I think they're both sorted by OPS actually. Pitchers for lowest to highest OPS. Oh allowed. yeah 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 you're right yeah. okay yeah but anyway all right regardless. let's go. For sure, yeah. So obviously, the past seven days, the Blue Jays have found life offensively. Patrick Marsh, uh, including that mm-hmm. thrilling eleven to ten victory yesterday, which was a absolute roller coaster of a game. Yeah, fuck um, that game. That was I, I missed like the first four innings. We were, I was seeing the new Top Gun movie, which by the way was pretty cool. Um, we'll talk about that off off. Mic, yeah, off I have mic. some I have some stuff I want to talk about about that. But... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, so I, I came home and it was already 6-6, and I was like, oh my god, it was the fourth inning, I couldn't believe it. But uh, yeah, both starters got shelled. Anyway, the truest goat, Danny Jansen, has a 1, 1.262 OPS over the past seven days. That's in 15 at-bats. He has four hits in that time, with three of them leaving the yard. Uh, 286 average there, but a 929 slug. Not to be outdone, his battery mate, Alejandro Kirk, position mate, I guess I should say, is 8 for 19 over the same time, with three doubles, two walks, zero strikeouts, which you love to see. The Blue Jays are getting uh, the, like, the second most offensive production from the catching position in baseball, which has not been the case for as long as I can remember. Uh, it would have been like uh, way back when, when we had... Uh, Donaire and uh, oh, yeah. Russell Martin. Congratulations, by the way, Russell Martin on a on his retirement. outstanding career and subsequent retirement. How long do you think we see him in the booth? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'd be interested to see, or even as a coach somewhere, right? Catchers always oh, seem to coach, latch absolutely. on as coaches. But if he's looking I, I for something he, uh... to do right now, get that man on Sportsnet. Give that man a sports coat and get him on yeah, that'd be nice to see him on there for a couple of games anyway, like even on Blue Jays Central with Jamie or something. That'd be interesting. But anyway, uh, third place on the OPS list is George Springer, who's been having a, a great season. Uh, he's got a 1.137 OPS over that time. He's 6 for 26. He's got a couple of dingers, a double, a triple, five walks, only four strikeouts. There's a pretty good theme here in terms of strikeout and walk ratios. Well, especially at the upper part of this chart. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to me about George Springer. He is routinely passing guys uh, on the all-time leadoff home run list. I actually think him catching Ricky is possible. I mean, he only gets one shot every game at this. <laughs> but, like, he's already hit how many leadoff home runs this year? Four Three or five or, or something. It's, like yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's a pretty good number. Um, uh, he's seen the ball really well this year, period. I it think does he might be way. the lone all-star that we see uh, go to the all-star game, if I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, Danny oh, Jansen's going to win MVP, so... Danny Jansen's probably going to win MVP <laughs> and then ascend to the heavens. Um, my God. But what yeah, a, shout out to George lot. Springer. I thought he was really impressive this weekend. Yep. Uh, hitting it all over the ballpark and just getting every. He's got the Little League triple uh, yes. in the previous series. He's uh, racked up the doubles, the singles, the homers, driving guys in, taking walks where it matters. He's just been astonishingly sharp. 
So gone are the days of worrying about him being hurt. And it's, you know, they're managing his time off, but he is everything that we could have asked for. Yeah. Uh, the next guy on the list is doing what he does every year when the calendar starts to flip towards the month of June. It's Loris Gurriel Jr. Uh, June is his best month of his career. Overall, he's got a 325 average in his career in the month of June, yeah. which is almost, it's almost 100 points higher than his May average. So anytime this guy sees summer, um, obviously with the pineapple hair, he's just built for it. But uh, he's he's five for twenty one, which is a three thirteen average. Patrick Marsh, no home runs, but three doubles. And Lourdes Griel Jr. has taken five walks in the past seven days, and he took two with the bases loaded in the Angels series. Uh nothing makes me happier on this planet <laughs> than an RBI walk. I love an RBI because walk. a guy gets on base for free. Yeah. And gets an RBI, and he's, uh, you know, he's take your place at first. I yep. love it. Minim- minimum effort. I yes, love you love to see it. Um, Vidi Guerrero Jr. is next. He's only hitting 211. He's 4 for 24, but he's oh. walked five times, struck out four times, Patrick. Two home runs in that stretch, which was great because he had gone like three weeks with an extra base hit at one point. I mean, that was yeah. during a time when he had like a 15-game hit streak. <laughs> so um vladi's been hitting a lot of ground balls and we could go into this whole discussion maybe we'll say that for another episode but pitchers are obviously pitching vladi a lot differently this year he hasn't been getting a lot to hit everything is down and away and he has not quite adjusted to just punch those balls to right field yet he is still trying to pull things and that's causing him to roll over on a lot of ground balls but vladi's a pro he'll figure it out he knows what they're doing to him he's just got to make that adjustment I'd love to see a split against uh, left lefties versus righties. I don't know what it is. It's probably not that great. You're talking about Vladdy? Yeah. Um, well, if you're looking that up, yeah, what I will I've also say is that I I would like Vladdy's average is way down right now, and yeah. he what, he was supposed to have a day off sun, Sunday because of uh, a sore left wrist. A sore left wrist. I am wondering, is it possible Vladdy has been playing hurt the whole time? It's not impossible. Uh, there could be a, an injury there for sure. Uh, he's only had twenty six appearances versus lefties, but only hitting one forty three against lefties. Patrick versus two seventy three yeah. against righties. He has zero home runs, zero extra base hits against lefties. Easier for lefties to throw outside to a righty, isn't it? Correct, especially when they have a good changeup. It's all you got to do is throw Vladdy outside changeups, and he's forced yeah. to chase. Because a lot of times, and the same thing happened to Matt Chapman earlier in the year. I still kind of happens is all those fucking low and away pitches that were out of the zone were getting called strikes. Called strikes, and they still have been for Vladdy. It's going to be a problem part. indefinitely until we get Robo umps. Robo umps when, but yeah, and then so... pitchers are forced to pitch <laughs> in the zone to Vladdy, and that's when he'll be fine. So, like, yeah. I think we are sort of starting to reach like the the apocalyptic stage of umpiring Balls like I, strikes. I yeah i feel like it's gonna be two years maximum before they're gone and we'll have a robo home umpire but maybe an umpire like humans at first second and third yeah well they're not gonna be able to automate safe and out calls in the immediate or check future swings. or check swings because check swings are subjective They'll have to have uh, a thing that just tells them whether it's a ball or a strike. Yeah, that's how that's how it's been working in the minor leagues. Basically, just have like a little 
speaker that it's almost like the pitch call that they're using where it just says ball and the umpire calls ball or strike now does the at that point does the umpire the umpire does not have discretion they must announce unless it's something like really weird like let's say a ball bounces halfway to the plate and then bounces through the strike zone and the thing calls it a strike you would still want the umpire to call that a ball obviously Yes. I'm not sure so, how it if, it if it if it registers that or if it's just looking where it crosses the plate. But an umpire wouldn't be able to do what they're doing now and go <laughs> fucking cowboy with game management. No, he wouldn't have Angel Hernandez ringing people up on six inches out of the strike zone balls. Yeah. But anyway, it's too anyway. bad for Vladdy that he's struggling uh, right now. But he'll recover. He always he'll figure does. it out. Yeah. He's cooled off the last two weeks, but uh, you know. He's just got to play against some of these uh, some of these garbage teams in the AL Central <laughs> or Baltimore, and uh, he'll get some. He'll somebody's going to make a mistake. Yeah, um, one guy who's having a really good month, not just the past seven days, is Bobochet Patrick. He's hitting two eighty eight overall in May. Yes, that's with five home runs, ten doubles. Yes, uh, which you love to see. He, of course, he's been striking out because he is Bobochet. He's taken six walks and struck out twenty five times. He took three walks in April only and struck out 26 times there. So he's his numbers really haven't changed too much there. He's just actually making more contact now, which he was not earlier in the year. Yeah, his batting average, though, is up to 253, which is yeah. way better. And he's actually It was getting, 213 at the end of April. Yeah, it's 272 in his last 30 games. Yeah. And he's the, the, the power is there. It's coming Five back. Five home runs, 16 RBIs, and the walks are there. Yeah. And he's stealing some bases too. So like Bo is starting to level off. He might not hit three hundred this year. It might be the ship might have sailed on that one. But I'm really impressed with what I've seen from him at the plate uh this past week. No walks, uh, and seven strikeouts, but yeah. that's not Bo Bichette's game. Like he's a he's seen like he had a great at bat. It led to a strikeout mm-hmm. yesterday. But it was a great at bat where he fouled off like seven pitches. Yeah, it was a lot of pitches that he fouled off. Uh, and it was a great at bat. It shows that he's just he's still maybe a tick behind, but he's still able to fight to get what he needs at the plate. He's a scrapper at the plate. Yep. Um, and it's good to see him leveling off. Yeah, uh, Ryan Maltapia is hitting three thirty three the past seven games. Patrick, I love it. Five for I'm seventeen. I'm so there. happy. I'm so happy to talk about this because every single one of us at some point has oh, yeah. been like, We've why all... is this? Why is he in our lineup again? I'm tired of seeing him. Tapia has had some defensive miscues. And offensively, he was strong to start the year, went super cold when everyone else went super cold. Uh, and now he's heating up when everybody's heating up. So it's it's like it's easy for us to pick on him when we're struggling. Because he is mm-hmm. the fourth outfielder. Yeah. He is kind of the outsider. Um, but when he plays well, we don't talk about him either. So he deserves lots of credit for having a great week. I yeah. like what I'm seeing. There's not really a lot of power no. there. You don't but expect that's that. He's a ground ball hitter. So. Yeah, you don't you don't expect it. Maybe maybe he's able to pull something. Yeah, he laced a couple of a couple of doubles in the Angels series, had a ground ball off the middle for a couple of RBIs yesterday. So yeah, he's doing what he needs to do. Um, a guy who came off the IL, Patrick, for this series was Kevin Biggio. So he's played, he just played this weekend. He's got 13, at, 13 plate appearances so far off the IL. He's 3 for 13 yep. with a double. 
has an RBI, has walked twice and struck out five times. That's equivalent to a 273 batting average and a 748 OPS. That's those are good numbers for Biggio. Obviously, he was hitting like 043 when he came off the IL, so his numbers are starting to creep back up. Uh, he's only had like 30 plate appearances the whole year so far. I'll Something tell you like what that. I liked from him this weekend. Saw lots of pitches. Yeah. Yes, he struck out more than what you would want Kevin Biggio to strike out, uh, but he did take his walks, and he was a part of uh, most rallies. Yeah, he was on Whether base for a few Whether he was the starter or the, or the guy who was keeping it going. Yeah, um, big time. This is the Kevin Biggio I think we can expect for the rest of the year. Uh, maybe a little, maybe exceeding expectations a tiny bit, but the power... The power is there, and it, when he gets his pitch, he will clobber it. Um, I don't think Angel Stadium is really a hitter's park, which is weird to say because we just clobbered uh, a lot of pitching. You, you saw a lot of long fly balls to left field that were on the warning track, and I was watching that Twitter account, uh, Would It Dong, and there were like there were a bunch that would have been home runs in like 25 ballparks that both teams were hitting to left field. Yeah. And for some reason in this series, the wind conditions were not favoring right-handed hitters. We saw home runs to like left center, center field, right center, and right field. Some monster dongs. And some monsters center to center field and, and right center. But we didn't really see anything straight away left. No. Left center we did see, I think, um, I don't remember who's. There's somebody. Taylor Ward it. clobbered Ryan Baraki. Yeah, okay, yeah, that must have been it. But anyway, yeah. Kevin, <laughs> I feel like Kevin is like. We need to keep it going, like keep getting him in the lineup no matter yeah. what. And they um, have been. Like they had him in left field in this series, which was the first time he'd ever played in the left. He's been playing in right field a little bit. But... I'm I'm very curious what the lineup will look like against Chicago in the first game because everyone supposedly will be well rested. Yeah. Um maybe because of his performance in the last seven days, Santiago Espinal gets an extra day off. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I was gonna I was gonna skip down to him next because, yeah, he's he had a rough series. I think he was maybe like one or two for sixteen or something in this Angel series. Yeah, a tough week for him. Period. Although yeah. we did have some key uh, runs batted in uh, this past week, but uh, mm-hmm. hitting one fifteen uh, OBP of just two hundred, uh, an abysmal week for Santiago yeah, Espinal, no but base still. Hits. Still hitting something like 270 for the year. Is that the end of him in the two hole? Do you think? Oh God, one million percent. <laughs> he never should have been, but yeah. they tried it, um, as I suggested, and it didn't work. And that's I, fine. I would be curious to see them try Guriel there for a couple of games, just because of the I've fact always that said he should be that top he's hot, hitter, and so yeah. it's June. It's almost June, and which is like it's Pena season now. So yeah, uh, I think I would... uh, that'd be interesting to, for me to try up there. I, I, I would even go um, so far as to suggest Springer, Guerrero, Guriel, and I Bichette. mean uh, Bichette, yeah. Yeah, and then Teoscar 5. Teoscar 5. Teoscar is still Kirk. struggling, though. Yeah, you could, you could go Jansen, Kirk, or Chapman in that 5 spot, and or Teoscar. Kirk. And then, then the other one goes 6. Kind of whoever's playing that day goes in that area. I, I would think want you to... gotta ride the lightning, Kirk. Kirk is yeah. hitting way too well to be anything lower than fifth. Yeah, he's hitting incredibly well, um, and he hasn't he's struck out. The, he's seen the ball. <laughs> the really, man, the man really doesn't really well. strike out either. He seems to always make contact. 
Yeah, let's just round out the rest of these guys. Uh, Matt Chapman regressing positively. Yeah. He, he went five for 24. 250. Uh, hitting 250. He had some ribbies, four walks, four strikeouts, about what you'd expect. The OPS is coming up a little bit. Uh, no power. Uh, power hits from Chapman. Yeah, he uh, had he had two hits in the Anaheim series, or the LA series, I guess. They don't call themselves Anaheim anymore, that were right to that left field fence yeah and they would like have, right they would have they would have been home runs in 25 ballparks both of them including yeah. rogers center so he's 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 again he's had I, I can't think of a guy in that i've seen in baseball this year who's had more warning track flyouts than matt chapman um, he could easily have 15 to 17 home runs yeah, this year just, under just the right conditions yeah exactly and, and we would be like what where did this guy come from yeah be hitting like 270 or 280 but like it's still He's missing by a hair, and it's not like he was getting those brutal outside pitch <laughs> strike threes. It's it's still happening. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, if he if he played every game in either Houston or Milwaukee, he'd have ten home runs right now. Yeah, and instead he does not. He has only six. So yeah, his time is coming though. Like as far as getting yeah. getting like multiple run home runs, it's coming. Uh, it's not really for Bradley Zimmer. He's not really a power hitter, but he's only hitting 125. Uh, he had a couple of great games the week before, and mm-hmm. we didn't really celebrate it. But yeah, uh, the plate <laughs> the plate vision is there for Bradley, but the strikeouts are plentiful, and the weak contact. Yeah, he seems happening. he seems to know what a strike is. He just can't seem to hit it. Yeah, you said it. Um, I, that's all I really want to say. It's fair. It's so frustrating because like you, you want to cheer this guy on. You want him to because he's so fucking fast. He can turn a single into a double. Yep. On the base pass, he's that fast. He's probably the fastest player on this team. But even even then, like we just can't seem to get anything from him. And I don't know. I don't know what's next. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Teoscar has obviously struggled so far this season. He did get three hits in the Anaheim series and raised his average up from 151 to 170. So, I mean, obviously coming in the right direction. We haven't seen a ton of power from him yet at all. We've seen a couple of doubles, and that's really it. Yeah. He's kept it on a one home run since he's been back. But he's been hitting the ball hard, just like Matt Chapman. And... When you hit the ball hard, sooner or later those balls are going to find holes. Um, and I, and I obviously, the team is better with Teoscar in the lineup than they were without him. They've played better since he's come back. And I do think that we'll see uh, a pretty positive turnaround. I think this homestand here is a really ripe opportunity for Teoscar to get himself sorted. He'll be able to settle in in Toronto for a week here, use the team facilities at Rogers Center, have some home home fans, some home cooking, and uh, hopefully that'll turn a season around. I think it will. It's yeah. he's a he's a back to back silver slugger. Yeah, it's like it's inevitable. Like he will, he will recover. Like it's coming. So let's just let's blast through the pitchers. Yeah, let's talk uh, about some good and right some quick. bad here. Uh, I want to talk about Jimmy Garcia first of all. Him and Trevor Richards have both been great these last two, these last seven games, Patrick Marsh. 
Yep. Um, neither of them has given up a hit. They've both pitched three innings. They've only walked one batter each. And Jimmy's struck out five and Richards has struck out four. Richards had to, this, like, a, his changeup was absolute filth when he came in in Anaheim this weekend. Uh, there was one that had, like, 26 inches of vertical drop, which is unbelievable for a changeup. Some of the best in baseball. Yeah. Um, I was looking at that. Uh, Pitching Ninja had actually posted a GIF of him, and it was like the tail on that thing was crazy. And there was a couple of really awkward swings, and he just kept feeding them changeups, and they kept swinging. It was like Gosman throwing a splitter. People just, they know it's coming, but they still swing at it. So those two have been great. We need it. We need it because without having Tim Meza, you need your other guys to step up yeah. in that mid to high leverage. And Garcia has been setting up a lot of games this year, and he's been pretty good. He's had a couple of blue of a couple of oof does, but yeah, those two have been great. Obviously, we have Kevin Gosman, who's been outstanding pretty much all season. He had a uh, one game, obviously, in the past week where he threw six innings, only gave up four hits, walked two, and struck out eight. That was against St. Louis. He gets to pitch twice this week, which is awesome. Yeah, um, I would love to see both of those performances be about what we got from him against St. Louis. <laughs> you would love to see every starting pitcher do that. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Vasquez also had an ERA of zero. Yeah. So the goose egg gang is growing. Yes, and I wouldn't count on him being in there for multiple weeks in a row. Uh, but yeah, well, it's, it's nice to see the, the credit where credits due. Credit, yeah, credit where credits due. I, I do want to talk about Jordan Romano quickly. Obviously, uh, wasn't able to record the save on his third day in a row in Anaheim, which I tough. thought was it was, a, it was it was a tough call to bring him in. I'm sure that they deliberated over it. He obviously told them that he was good enough to pitch, but his velocity was like 93, 94, 95, which is like three miles per hour below where it should be. He was completely out of gas. He was let's he just, was gassed. Yeah, let's and, just say call it like it is. And lucky for him, David Phelps was able to bail him out of that game. Um, yeah, competitor like Romano. Or sorry, not I, that, was Ross, no. that was Ross Strip in that building. It was Stripsy. Yeah, Stripsy got his first career, not first career save, but first his save first as save of, <laughs> as a Blue Jay. I think uh, it was great. He was relieved, as was everyone else. <laughs> celebration. Um, yeah, it was a tough. It was an almost impossible situation. The they put Strips juiced. in. That's basically Strips' mantra, though: is put me in the impossible situation. See what I can do. Yeah. But Romano, uh, Romano is. I don't know how to say this without it sounding like I'm being negative. Romano, I don't think is underrated, but he's a better reliever than I think the rest of the league expects. I think the only reason he's not getting more props is because he's had two oofdas right the big walk-offs the three-run homers yeah um and, and i think if those didn't exist he would be everybody would be screaming about this guy um but it's just two games and almost every reliever you oh god name yeah. has one of those except maybe mario they might have Maris. 10 a season yeah it's but i mean romano is kind of the anchor of the bullpen like he is we put a lot of pressure on him and uh i think they need to use him a little smarter like don't throw him out on day three of 
like, like <laughs> yeah that's him. that's not something that they, i think they'll do that again <laughs> didn't work uh he needs to have a day of rest in between appearances i think i think he, he can like, do two in a row but i think doing three is too much man he's yeah he can do two in a row but then he needs to have at least a day or two off yeah a lot's been asked of jordan romano at the beginning of this year yeah and more will probably be asked of him in the future um but he is living up to his end of the bargain uh, yep. by performing well agreed so. um adam simber has kind of been old reliable all season he's already six and two out of the bullpen so he comes he in a lot of close games his second home run of, I think, the year. Of the year, yeah. And that was in that crazy game yesterday when every pitcher was giving up runs. Um, yeah. But other than that, he's, he gave up only one other hit this week in three and a third innings, uh, one walk and three strikeouts. He's the guy who will put the ball in play on the ground, weak contact for the most part. He's only sort of those two tacos, like you mentioned. So he's a guy that they'll, they'll use pretty much everywhere. Um Alec Manoa, Patrick Marsh, he did give up the two solo bombs in his start against the Angels, but he also struck out nine over yeah, six. Yeah, it's also Shohei Otani. Yeah, it was I mean, two. It was it was Otani just hitting dingers. Uh, I think uh, Walsh hit one off of him too. Um, but yeah, he he was he was able to get give up seven hits, but two of them were dingers. He had an unearned run in that game, but struck out nine and didn't walk a batter. So the command. He's around the strike zone, which is great. Just yep. he, he missed his spot a couple of times, and lucky for him that there was nobody on base, and that's because that's he was just mowing people down. So what what can, what can more can we say about this kid, right? <laughs> he's he's a buzzsaw. It's yeah. great. Uh, I was really impressed. It's the bullpen in general, but like let's just circle back to David Phelps. Yeah. Giving us consistency, getting the save yesterday. That's big for us. Uh, Strips has come in to do some bulk. Uh, he's been okay getting the strikeouts, not walking anybody. He's getting hit hard, though. When he gets hit, he gets hit hard. Um, and then Kikuchi got the crap hit out of him, but it was all, uh, it was a bunch not of hard singles contact. and Yeah, it was just death by a thousand cuts, right? <laughs> yeah, but I was still reasonably pleased. Like, he left the game uh, with only two earned runs and five innings. Like, we still, I think that one, we still got the dub. So Yeah, and again, right, like like you mentioned, uh, he only had one walk, so he was still around the strike zone, too. So Yeah, I think whatever it was, I guess maybe you could just say that because it was in a uh, former AL West who probably scattered the shit out of him. Yeah. Oh, probably yeah. Probably were keyed in on his stuff. But even still, like, the fact that he kept the ball, if I recall correctly, he kept it in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, reasonably pleased. And now we start to get into the 50 feet of crap. Yeah, there's there's three guys that didn't have a great week. And I'll preface this by saying, like, Jose Brios is in this list, Patrick, but he did have one relatively decent start his start against st louis where he did give him six in the third of three round ball and struck out seven without a walk the issue yeah. was in this anaheim game that he's real bad he just was throwing everything down the middle basically i watched the jays in 30 this morning and there was there were some muffins that he was he was the muffin man and those were like blueberry explosion muffins because they were just 
delicious and right down the center of the plate the whole time yeah. and obviously gave up a couple of dingers uh six hits six earned runs over two and a third in, against the angels and that uh yeah this is shortest outing since opening day yeah he tried to fight the law and the law won that's yeah. really he tried to challenge one of the best hitting teams in baseball and uh they mopped the floor with him yeah i've i've been pretty adamant that Brios is going to be fine, but even I'm starting to get a little bit worried about him this season. He's had like yeah. three, maybe four, like pretty good starts, and then the other ones have just all been kind of like this, where he's given up way too much contact. Yeah, I'm still yeah like. The good thing is, uh, one Garrett walk, Cole eight had strikeouts. Also, so. it had his struggles this year too. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. One one walk and eight strikeouts over those eight and two thirds innings. So he's he's not giving up free passes. He's just getting hit, which means that it's. Yeah. An issue of being kind of too right down, too many pitches down the middle. He's, his location is a little bit off. He's in the strike zone, but he's serving up some meatballs. Just throw the curve. Throw the curve, Brios. Throw yeah. it every time. Throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it. But yeah. Stop trying to rely on your fastball to get we'll, the outs. We'll see if he can make an adjustment. He'll pitch not in the White Sox series, but the in the uh, twin series. So yeah. he'll get We'll be back before then to preview that series yeah. as well as recap. Um, what's happened so last two guys here like can we uh, call these guys the soon to be option guys for soon to well, be dfa Brecky guys is going to be a dfa but merriweather has just not been good ever since those like three games at yankee stadium or whatever it was like at the beginning of last season um the Can't get an out. the romance is gone yeah uh there's no love there's no more love in this relationship we've got to go our separate ways it's it's definitely not me it's him um, in one inning this week, Patrick, he, he was terrible. He gave up two earned yeah. runs on three hits, including a home run, walked a batter, and no strikeouts. Uh, if I recall correctly, we lost that game against St. Louis. That's the one. Yeah. Um, he was warming up <laughs> in one of the Angel games. It was a one-run game, and I was like, there's no way, and fuck, they bring him in. And they thankfully they didn't. Um, I yeah, think they ended up bringing Ryan Barucki in, and... Ryan Barucki, like, it's 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 a shame how far Ryan Barucki has fallen. He just got some glasses. I don't want to make jokes about that. He's Ricky Vaughn. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to blame his performance exclusively on the fact that he needs glasses. That he can't fucking see. Apparently, I don't. Uh, he was apparently during Wild training. Thing. He had blurry, like he had blurry vision. You make my heart sing. I don't. I'm not speculating. I don't know. Is that why he's been? You make everything bad, groovy. He he was, <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. At any point this week, the fact that he has he recorded 1.0 innings is, I guess nobody else was available because <laughs> after the third batter, he should have been. Well, he did get yanked in uh, the one in yeah. the St. Louis game, I think. And I think yesterday. Too. did he not he pitch sure did yeah he, he did but he actually got yesterday. one or two outs i think yeah so his his last game logs um he pitched versus cincinnati and got a strikeout that was the only better that he faced because it was the end of an inning against st louis yeah it was no outs recorded one hit allowed and a walk which it was a dinger i'm pretty sure because it was two runs allowed 
And then against the Angels, two hits, a walk, a strikeout, two earned runs. So in his last one inning, he's given up four earned runs. So, and that's been like seven or eight batters faced in that time. I don't know how many more times you can justify putting him out there if it costs us a game. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who probably gets claimed off of waivers. But you don't you don't know for sure. And because he's been so damn bad, maybe a team doesn't take him. And you can slip him through. Nope. But is it even, like, do you even care at this point? If like, you claimed him, could you just outright him to minor leagues? Or does he have to he again? He'd have to pass through waivers again, yeah. He might actually slip through. Anybody out there looking for a guy with an ERA around 10? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, Kansas City, maybe? Yeah, maybe. He pitched well at Kaufman years ago when he first started. True, but... I could see I could see the appeal, and again, he's a lefty. He just... Yeah, he's going to find a spot. We're so fucked because Tim Meza is still out, and I don't know what his expected return date is. Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody really knows. It's 15-day IL, but... Here we are. It's day what eight or nine. We yeah, don't I don't think he's throwing yet. So yeah, well, what well, well, you Google that to see if there's any notes. I'll cap this one off. Yeah. Just by saying it's frustrating to watch Baraki because we had pinned so much hope on him back in the day, along with Sean Reed Foley. Uh, but it, it, I don't think we can have him on the roster anymore. I don't. I don't. I think it's. It's to the point. Yeah. Somebody else is going to have to pick up uh, pick up that roster spot. But I don't know what lefties we have in Buffalo who could come up. If there is one, that's great. But if not, I guess at least until Mesa comes back, Barucki would probably be safe. Um, and that is what it is. So... It yeah, seems up. as though Meza was beginning... He began a throwing progression on the 23rd. That was a week ago. And the rumors are that he could be back tomorrow. Which would be maybe when they, he's first eligible. Maybe they play it safe. They could option they Merriweather. <laughs> I keep Baraki. I don't know. Who would you rather? Neither. I know. I don't think it matters, really. I think you just flip a coin and, uh, whichever, what you pick, what you get, you get them both in a room and they pay rock, paper, scissors for it. Best yeah, of Yeah, Mesa's probably going to be back this week, whether or not it's tomorrow or on the weekend to yeah. face the Twins. One or the other, which means, and I think you got to keep Andrew Vasquez over Merriweather and Barucky. Unless Vasquez gives up, like, back-to-back grand slams, which is impossible. Maybe grand slams and back-to-back appearances. I don't know. Like, they're just, their performances have been really bad. Like, you can't, you can't win baseball games when your whip is four or five. And you're not, like, Merriweather didn't strike anybody out. That's his (laughs) thing. Fuck, let's move on. I'm done with this. We get to the end of this list and it just, it's just like, I'm so mad at all three of the bottom three guys. I was so hype on Jose Barrios 
and now it's like I, I like he could still come back. He could throw back to back complete game shutouts out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he's that good. But like this struggle bus, man, he has to get off. I agree. I don't know what it is. It's not the velo. It's nope. it's I get it's not it's it is kind of control, but it's like everybody's figured him out. And we still have six more years after this year. Mm-hmm. Seventeen and a half million. There is a really good thread from Chris Black who we've talked about on this show before. It's a long one on Twitter. He put it out about four hours ago. I was gonna bring it up if we had time, but it's it's kind of dicey and it's long. Um, I what's the long? That. What's the TLDR? And TLDR is that Brios is bad this year. Yes. Um, I think we can see there's that. they've they've done some mechanical tweaks. His velocity is way down, and lefties have been like absolutely obliterating him. Yeah. This year, he did make a couple of changes, um, in his two starts previous <sighs> to the LA series, where he was actually hitting his spots. But uh, yeah, lefties hit five fifty six against him this weekend. With a 1.556 slug and 93.3 average exit velo, um, and yeah. he threw a he threw a fastball at 90 miles per hour yesterday, which was his slowest since August 29th of 2019. I, so I'm I'm just gonna put this out there. There may be an IL stint in his future. I think he started the year hurt. I don't know if he's hurt. I just think that he wasn't prepared and. Whatever, if he's not hurt, then um, whatever my changes, panic level is higher. Whatever changes he tried to make in the offseason aren't working. And... Time to make some changes. There may be some further changes that need to be made, whether it's going back to whatever he was doing previously, or... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what to say about it anymore. It's just the fact that, yeah, there's definitely something that's wrong. And if he doesn't make those changes, it's going to be a long, a long season. Um, straight to schedule. Let's talk about this quickly. Doesn't warrant too much discussion. We'll just we'll look at the Blue Jays and some some divisional foes. Yep. This this website is called Power Rankings Guru, and the rankings are kind of they're based on like power rankings of teams like they, they talk about composite power rankings so where teams are ranked their records that sort of thing based on the the criteria on this website the blue jays have had the toughest schedule in baseball so far this season patrick yep the orioles are second because they've played a lot of good teams and bad teams are always going to be near the top of this because they're they're bad um the yankees on the other hand have had the 26th hardest schedule or the fifth easiest if you want to look at it that way they're down there with the dodgers who have had the easiest schedule the twins who we'll see later this week the brewers and the rockies those first three teams are all leading their divisions the dodgers are twins the brewers the rockies are not and then the yankees are also leading their division so we've got four division leaders in the five easiest schedules just what you'd expect to see good teams beating bad teams yeah and then you've got a a bad team well the rockies are are not good plummeting yeah and the cubs have had an easy schedule and they've struggled probably because of all their cincinnati and they're a bad they haven't won yeah 
they're and they're bad. Kansas City, same. Tampa's actually had one of the easier schedules too, and they're nine games above five hundred. The Jays, on the other hand, are the only team that I can see in the top ten. You have to go to thirteenth before there's another team above five hundred. Yeah, and the, and the Giants. And we're seven games above five hundred with the hardest schedule. Yeah. So even though they're the team scuffled, and there was a point where we were only three games or two games above five hundred. Guess what? Still had the toughest schedule. Still seven games above five hundred. But what about the rest of the year, Justin? How does it how does it look for us? Sure. And, and before I, one thing I want to say too is that obviously, yeah, we all know the Blue Jays have had a bunch of one run games, and those games could have gone the other way, and they could be in the same boat as other teams. But they haven't, and that's yep. great. <laughs> the rest of the way, the Yankees have the fourth hardest schedule, Patrick. So it flips for them. The Blue Jays have the third easiest schedule remaining yeah the Rays also have a tougher schedule too yes uh the Rays are seventh so that's those are good things for two teams the Blue Jays are chasing uh so that's awesome because now is the time where you've you've survived this gauntlet of the first two months of the season that you've had to run you've survived injuries to Danny Jansen to Teoscar Hernandez to Hunjin Ryu and you've come out seven games about 500. You've got two more games, or one more game left in May because they don't play today. You've got a chance to finish May eight games above 500 or six games above at the very least. I'll take it. You'll take it. The Jays have played 47 games so far. 52 games is the, or 54 games, excuse me, is the, is the one-third mark. So they're seven games away from hitting the one-third mark on the season. So they will be 500 when they hit that mark. At the very least, yeah, if they were to lose the next seven games. Which, which is what we said What we said you'd need to be. Yeah, if you're, you want to be around 500 about a third game, a third of the way through the season if you're hoping to compete. Teams who are below 500 need to evaluate if they're looking like they're going to start selling assets towards the deadline in a couple of months or if they're going to be acquiring. So the Jays are in a good spot in terms of where they've landed up to now with their record obviously being in a, in a in a wild card spot and five and a half back of the Yankees who have a hard schedule well the Blue Jays at this point in time have an easier schedule on paper so it's the AL Central is going to be very interesting even though it may not mm-hmm. have a too much of an impact on the Jays but the White Sox have the easiest schedule the rest of the year yeah the Tigers are in the bottom 10. So are the Guardians. So, And the Twins are 14th, so none of them have a tough schedule except for the Royals because the Royals have to play the other good teams in their division. So. Exactly. So it's very interesting. I think, I, I think we're only going to see one playoff team from the AL Central, and the reason why is because they're all going to beat up on each other. Yeah. And even though their schedules are, quote, easier, I, I just don't... Like, I think what's going to end up happening is... The AL East is gonna like soak up two of those playoff spots. Three of I them, think... technically. Or right, yeah. Sorry. Um, two wild soak cards. Up three yeah. playoff spots, and then the last one is just gonna be a fight between anybody who thinks they can. Yeah, topple it'll the be Angels. either the Angels or Astros, and then you'll see maybe Boston compete for that, and then whoever's in the Central. <laughs> I think the White Sox are the, are going to be the team to beat. Like I, look, I love this, yeah. I, I love the Twins, 
Uh, I love what they're doing. Uh, I like. I enjoy them. I'm excited about uh, the weekend series. Their 29 and 19 record, though, I think is ultra inflated. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is wins over Detroit, Kansas City, uh, who are poo poo. And I, I don't know. I just think the Twins. There's no fucking shot. They're, they're not gonna beat. They're not gonna pass the White Sox. They're not. The White Sox are, are going to take that division. That's just me. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's talk quickly about this White Sox pre- preview series here. So the Jays are opening up a three-game series with the Sox tomorrow. Man, <laughs> that yeah. Thursday night game is A++. Yeah. Plus plus. That's some so good shit. So the White Sox are 23-23 and 23 right now. They've had a ton of injuries this season. So for them to be there is very good. Their starting pitching has been really, really good for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Giolito is going up against Kevin Gosman. So we get the Battle of the Aces. Oof. That's going to be a fun one. That's that's Tuesday night tomorrow at 7.07 Eastern. Yep. That'll be fun to see. Uh, on Wednesday, it's Michael Kopesh, the young righty who throws really hard up against Hunjin Ryu, the veteran lefty who doesn't throw very hard. So that'll be an interesting one there. Also at 7.07 on Wednesday the 1st. And then on Thursday, on Lou Gehrig Day, at 3.07 Eastern, we get a little bit of daytime baseball. Johnny Cueto, who is back in the show with the White Sox, goes up against Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays. So this is going to be a fun series just looking at the starting pitching before we even talk about like any of the offense. Um, the White Sox will be without Tim Anderson, their leadoff man, who's hitting over 350 this season. He, uh, he injured himself. He's out with a, uh, a groin injury. And hate those. The the White Sox are also on an off day today, so Anderson has not been placed on the IL yet, but MLB.com is already reporting that he's going to be placed on it before the game tomorrow. We're not certain. I haven't seen anything about the White Sox having any players on the restricted list. We do know there will be some Minnesota Twins on the weekend who will be on the restricted list. We don't know who they are yet, but that was already announced. They said they have some issues with that. So um, we'll see if the White Sox do as well. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see... Uh, how the White Sox adapts to losing Tim Anderson because he's a, a crucial part of their lineup. I was really looking forward to, to seeing him play against the Jays too. Yeah, he's a great player. He is, yeah. And uh, a healthy Tim Anderson is good for baseball. 100%. Uh, yeah, these are really good pitching matchups. I don't know a lot about Michael Kopesh. Um, that's a microscopic ERA though. Yeah, he's uh, he can hurl it. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I don't even know what my expectations should be for this series, but... I think we should expect to see some good baseball games. I agree. I would very much so. I'd be fine as long as we won one out of these three games. Right. We're, we're coming up against our three toughest starters, and we, uh, we're we a little squishy in the middle with Ryu, uh, who's looked better, but I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think for the advantages that we get from Tim Anderson not being in the lineup or kind of also they get uh, a shot against Ryu who <laughs> might be our our weakest pitcher so, so far that we've put out as a starter. Right. Um, um, but he he might also be fine now. He's been he, he yeah. got at least one start. Just to give you some info on Kopech too, Patrick. Well, his ERA is 129, his XFIP is 458. 
Oh. Due to the fact that he is walking four batters per nine innings and has yet to oh. give up a home run so far this year. But he's a 29.4% ground ball pitcher, so he's a fly ball boy. Oh, welcome to Rogers Center, big boy. Yeah, and he strikes out eight batters per nine, so about a batter per inning. Um, oh, that's not... This might fast, be a juicy opportunity. The fastball is 95.7, so he does have some velo. Fastball, slider, curveball is his mix. No, and the changeup gets thrown one percent of the time, so we don't really factor that. And he's only thrown it five times this year. He needs to attack the shit out of the zone. Yeah, he's been really good at throwing the slider down and away to righties so far this year, and the fastball is mostly middle in and up to them. So that's like the taco zone. He be John. I don't know, man. He's gonna he he's gonna be in trouble though if he puts men on, and then he's got to face the boppers. This could be a Matt Chapman breakout right here. Could be. Mark it, mark it down. We'll do see how I do with the prediction. Matt Chapman <laughs> home run on Wednesday, June the 1st. Mark it. I All think right. that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll come back after that game on Thursday afternoon to review the White Sox series. Hopefully discuss some more Blue Jays baseball wins. They've won five in a row, Patrick. Uh, it's nice to see. And... Yeah. And I think nine of their last 12 or something like that. So they're, they've definitely yep. rebounded from that little skid they were in about a week ago. Um, but yeah, we'll come back on Thursday. We'll tee up the series with the Twins. Always fun when Minnesota comes to town. They're a team that uh, gets a lot of coverage out where I live because they're the closest geographical ballpark to me. So there's a lot of there's actually a, quite a few Twins fans in the area based on that. And a lot of minor league twi- teams are named the Twins out here in Saskatchewan just because of that too. It's, it's interesting. But uh, for Patrick out in Halifax, Justin here in Saskatoon, we'll see you next time.